I'm going to mention some words here in just a moment. What culture am I talking about? Hot heat, prelims, bonus heat, circle seating, a counter, zone time, sectional cut, junior cut, senior cut, bonus event, trials, sectionals, the pad, the button, the watch, second watch, the Colorado, short course, long course, overhead starts, chase format, Caddyshack moment. Swimming. Those are all swimming terms if you were into the culture of swim meets. Uh, that you would you would you may have heard. I've been to a lot of swim meets. Well, a few, and uh, I still they you know it's like it's a different language. You know, people because that's their culture. You know, and it's 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 it, that's the thing. We have other areas that that happens with. We have another. See if you see if you get this culture. First class restaurants where you BYOB. Uh, no self serve gasoline. You bag your own groceries. That really stinks. You make left-hand turns from the right, from the right lane. That's the weirdest thing. You make a left-hand turn from the right lane. You know where I'm going with this, don't you? Um, oceanfront property is called down the shore. And, of course, talking about the Jersey culture. And, and some of you have been around this so long, maybe you were raised here, and you don't know just how weird that is. <laughs> I mean, you know... It's still weird for me. I've been here five and a half years, and you go to a really nice, some really nice restaurants, and you got somebody says, okay, well, who's bringing the wine? And here you are feeling all spunky going to a nice restaurant, and you take your stinking wine with you. I mean, do you realize that in most parts of our country that, that people who do that, you know, live in homes without the wheels taken off of them? I mean, you know, it's just, it's just, it's just one of those things, you know? It's, it's a... Jersey thing. We have our own culture. Here's the deal. Um, We all deal with a certain culture that comes with where we live or where we work or where we play. And we kind of get used to that, unfortunately. And that's capital word here. Unfortunately, the church, Christians, I'm going to say the church a lot today. I'm talking about Christians because that is what the church is, Christians. It's not a building. I think maybe you all understand this better than a lot of folks because you come to church in an opera house. And, uh, you know, you might say, I'm going to church, but we don't really call, well, where's the church? The opera house. And it's really kind of cool, I think, because so many times over the years, particularly my years as a a minister, uh, people refer to the church as a building. And and you need to know, and I think you do understand this, it's people, it's believers in Christ who are the church. So I'm going to say that a lot. But unfortunately, the church, Christians, have done the same thing. They've created a culture that basically becomes a subculture and often has little to do with relevance, life, liberty, or the pursuit of happiness, or a relationship with God. Um, One could make the point. This point I have written down, and I'm going to tell you why after I read it to you. Um, One could make the point that true biblical Christianity has been hijacked by a bunch of self-righteous, churchy people who are more concerned about looking alike, control, being good little boys and girls, than they are about following Christ. I wrote that down because this is where I have a problem. I, I, I just have to warn you at this point, and I want, I want to be careful about it because I get really a little, I know it's hard for you to believe, I can get a little harsh on this issue because I've done this long enough and I've seen what those kind of people, I'm going to say it that way, can do to each other. And, and pastors, I, I, it, it's that, you know, I won't go into great detail. 
That, that thing right there, that type of, of thinking, literally is what drove me out of being a pastor of a church for three years. And when I left, I said, I'm done. You know, I never had, you know, I didn't have a crisis of faith. Didn't have a crisis of what I knew I wanted to do in terms of, of serve God and teach the Bible in, a, in a, you know, maybe a different setting than the, than the local church. I just got so sick, I said, I'm done. You know, these jerks can have this thing called church. And, um, um, and then, you know, through a whole different set of things, God working in my heart and God working in a few people's heart here, I end up here as a pastor again. But my point is this, I can get real harsh on this when I start talking about true biblical Christianity has been hijacked by a bunch of self-righteous, churchy, fundy type of people. Um, I'll explain that term in a moment too. Um, it's my own terminology there. I, I get a little harsh, and I want you to know I'm trying not to be because those people need to be loved by Christ and me as much as anybody else. But that's probably one of the areas. It's not probably it's one of the areas of my life where I can get just a little. Uh, I can just cross that line and get a little harsh and a little judgmental, frankly, and and say some things that I that I mean exactly what I say, but I probably shouldn't say them, and I certainly shouldn't think them. But I do. So I, just so I, I give you that word of warning. If I go across that line today, it's one of the, this is one of the parts, you know, whenever I have a message, I, I think about, and there's usually one or two points that I, I'm always thinking about the week before, or even a couple weeks before. How am I going to do this? Go over it in my mind, go over it in my mind. I even have a, usually a, a prayer that goes along with it. God, help me, in this case, help me not to be too judgmental and too harsh toward all the fundies in the world because I have a tendency to be that way. So, um, so if you hear me cross that line, just pray for me, you know, just recognize, you know, Rich needs our prayers. He's got kind of a bad attitude toward those kind of people. I do. So God loves them and, and I should. But anyway, um, and try to. One could make the point that true biblical Christianity, um, while it has been hijacked, seemingly so by some of these kind of people, um, has been lost in the whole process sometimes in the name of church or in the name of Christianity. We often think we're doing God's work by seeking to change our culture, by pontificating on all the bad stuff about it, and then we gradually create a new, safe subculture with certain kinds of terminology, certain kinds of music, um, a certain prescribed kind of lifestyle, and we end up totally missing the point. And that's where this message actually comes from in 05, um, a series of messages that I did called Adventures and Missing the Point. And, and that's, that's what happens here. We get all hung up on the culture. And let me tell you something. A subculture can happen and take place, and you can be totally absorbed on that in that, and it may not affect a person's heart. And that's why Christ came. That's why Jesus came. And that's, that's part of what we need to understand. It can get so crazy. Now, one of the things, let me, let me give you one example of this before I, before I leave it when we talk about this whole subculture thing. It's, it's the whole different things that you do. There's this term that used to be pretty popular and still is in some parts of the country. Term called, I don't know if you've ever heard it, Jesus Saves. Have you ever seen one of those signs you're driving around somewhere in the Midwest or in the Southeast? Jesus Saves. And, uh, and this, is a, this is, honest to goodness, a true story. The lady was here in the 9 o'clock service. Um, several years ago, she was driving around with her elementary, at that time, elementary age school school child, and they saw a sign somewhere around, I don't know, Milburn or Short Hills or somewhere around here, um, a sign on a church that said, Jesus saves. 
This lady, not having been raised in that kind of a church culture, had no clue what it meant. Of course, they mean, those of you who come from that kind of a background or have seen it, they mean by that Jesus saves our soul. And when you trust Christ, Jesus saves our soul and so forth. And that's the term that has come to be known as Jesus saves. So her elementary age school child asked her, hey, mom, what does that mean, Jesus saves? She had no clue, but she had to give her kid an answer. So she says, oh, honey, I think it means that Jesus doesn't want us to waste. And, 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 and that was, that was that's pretty good, really. I mean, that's pretty good when you think about it. I mean, Jesus doesn't want us to waste. I can, I can tell you that. But, um, um, you know, at, geez, I thought that's what it meant. Isn't it funny how we get little terminology that takes place, and sometimes it's in Protestant churches, sometimes it's in Catholic churches, sometimes in other kinds of churches, whatever, and, and it takes on a whole meaning, and, and everybody that goes there knows what that means, but everybody else, it might be just sort of a foreign term. So this message, really, um, is an important message. It's one that needs to be really talked about once a year, because I don't care, even in Renaissance, where we are just, our whole DNA is, is about reaching out and, and welcoming people from, from any, any particular faith, a, a no faith at all, and trying to search for their faith. That's, that's, what, we're, that's what we're about, as well as, obviously, we're, we're about the Bible and, and Christ and, and who He is, but we have people every Sunday in almost every service, Literally, who, who come and still trying to figure where they are in that, in that whole thing. And that's, we want, we invite that. I mean, that's, we're honored by that. So this message, though, is for people of faith. It's for three different kinds of people. It's for people of faith in Christ, so they understand, they will understand that being a believer in Christ or being a Christian is about having a relationship with God seeking to honor Him and how they live, and it's not learning some kind of church language or some kind of church culture. This message is also for people who don't have any faith. Um, it's for, so, they won't, so they won't, this is important, um, be misled by the lack of authenticity among many people who call themselves Christians, but who are more concerned about their actions, their associations, their politics, than they are about the one thing that is supposed to be affected the most and that is the heart, the inner person, the inner being. That's why Jesus came. This message is also for people who don't know where they are in this whole faith journey thing. They're just not quite sure. Still thinking about that. And it's so that upon their consideration of this thing called faith in Christ, they'll understand what trusting Christ doesn't mean. It doesn't, you know, it, 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 so that it's not masqueraded sometimes in all... Unfortunately, in all the mess that some people try to call is what it means to be call yourself a Christian. Um, you can create a Christian culture and never affect the heart. Um, the, the, the statement that I want to make, the, the one point that I want you to leave here with today is this. I've already said, I'm going to say it a couple more times. The church, Christians, the church is to influence culture not create a new one. We're to influence culture, not create a new one. It's the difference between being a lighthouse or living in a bunker. It's the difference in in being insulated from the world or having influence in the world in which I live. And Jesus teaches very clearly, very clearly, that we are to seek to be positive influences 
on our culture. I want to show you that, all right? And by the way, I want to compliment this service because by this time, last service, I already had somebody right there raising their hand, you know, like they wanted to ask a question, you know? And as he did, he was just, it was just a joke, but it was so funny because he was sitting right there and he raised his hand, you know, about this, about this time. And, and his wife is sitting right there and I can see her and her, she's like this. <laughs> so she, she's like, oh no, what's coming? Anyway, he was just, he was just being funny. Um, so anyway, here we go. Um, let me show you what Jesus says on this whole thing, because this is really, really important. And it's, it's about who we are as a church, and, 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 and it's, it's about who you are as a believer in Christ. So stick with me on this. Important, important stuff here. By the way, let me just say this. Um, in Renaissance, I've said our DNA, our, our, our default mode is one of, of, of outreach, of, of, of being inclusive, not exclusive. People to be a part, you know, and we don't even have membership because of that and stuff like that. Uh, but even, even here, you have to be careful. Because we've, we've been in church now for I don't know how many years, but in the last four years or so, we've just seen a lot of growth, and we're still seeing that, and we're grateful for that. But it's real easy to kind of retreat and, and, and get back into, well, you know, I just want to be with just my little safe group of, of friends, and I hope you have some friends like that, and that's good, but not to the exclusion of others, who then when they come in feel like they're some sort of, well, how come I'm not a part of the club? Church is not a club, never was designed to be a club. Unfortunately, it's become that in many situations. One guy called it the poor man's country club. Um, hopefully that's not true here, because um, not many of you are poor and it's certainly not a country club. But anyway, we'll move on. Let's look at this. Matthew chapter 5. Let's see what Jesus says. He says, we're to be positive influences on our culture, those of us who are people of faith. Tell me, he says, let me tell you why you're here. It's gotten my attention already. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. This is in the message paraphrase. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. Well, Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. Isn't that good? You know, you're a light. Listen, and I want to talk just a minute here. If you're a person of faith, I want you to hear this very, very clearly. I say this some, but not often enough probably. You're the only Bible some people will ever read. You're the only glimpse of God some people will ever see. Now, I don't want to, I'm not trying to, you know, burden you with guilt, but I want you to understand the seriousness of that, you know? So just remember that. And that's what he's saying, he's, you're, you're to be light. I'm going to quote two times from a book called Fearless Faith. I'm going to do it right now. Fearless Faith is a, a book that we did actually a couple years ago in our men's group. Uh, we started, we did this, it's, it's about, it's just a great book. It's by John Fisher. By the way, side note to that, the men's group has now become PC, because the men's group is now inviting women to come. So we call it the Thursday night group. I say that, and I want to just add this. The women still are not PC. 
They haven't invited us yet. You know, and, and, and we're praying for them and asking God to work in their heart. But, but, but that's okay, ladies. We love you. But we just, we invite you. So anyway, um, we did this back when we were not PC, we had the men's group. We did this book, and it was, it was a great book. And it's called Fearless Faith. Look, just, I'm going to quote twice from it. Here's the first quote. The high road of involvement, interaction, and mutual respect for those in the world has been abandoned in favor of the low road of disengagement, isolation, and scorn. Thousands of Christians lobby for conservative legislation. Few go into politics. Thousands of Christians protest abortion clinics. Few provide for single moms or adopt babies. Thousands boycott blasphemous movies. Few seek a vocation in acting or Hollywood. We have a couple of exceptions to that We have in our, in our church, and that's kind of cool. But it's just a great point here that he's making. Is that, you know, it's one thing to condemn. It's another thing, I'm, I want to I do something. I want to have influence here. Um, and by the way, I know, I know that I'm right about this. And those who agree with me, I know that we're right about this. And here's how I know. I'm going to take one snippet, two verses from, from the Gospel of Mark. Just one passage here, real quick. There's several more that we could take. But, but just look, look what Jesus did, you know, when you, when you think about this. We can't always do what Jesus did, but look what he did. This is in uh, the Gospel of Mark, and it's talking about Jesus. It happened one day, he was reclining at the table, in, in, and this is somebody else, not Jesus' house. This was in, I think, Peter's house. And many tax collectors, which is a term for bad people at that time, um, basically, if you're with the IRS, I'm sure you're a fine person. But in this case, they were not. Um, many tax collectors and, sni- and, and sinners were dining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many of them, and they were following him. When the scribes of the, of the Pharisees saw that he was eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they said to his disciples, why is he eating and drinking with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus was constantly being accused of this. Look at the people he's hanging with. His answer was basically, I came, I came to seek the lost. His answer also on a, co- a number of occasions was something to the effect of, that's all, everybody. It's just that the Pharisees didn't realize it. So the point is this, where would Jesus be today? He'd be hanging out in some bars. I try to do the work of Jesus. I, down at Winbury's Bar. I mean, that's, that's kind of my office down there. You know, and somebody says, what are you doing? I thought, oh, I'm just doing the work of the Lord down here, man. Um, uh, um, Jesus, would be, Jesus would be in bars, be in restaurants. He'd be where your kids are playing sports because that's where many of you live uh, for, for, the, for the spring and summer many times. He'd be where the people are, you know? And in some cases, that would be here, you know, and other kinds of places. That, that's who Jesus was. And that's what we're to be, to be lights in the world. So that's, it's just a great verse. Now, look what Paul says in the book of Philippians. I still, I'm going back to this point. The church is to influence culture. Christians are to influence culture, not create a new one or a different one. Look what Paul says in Philippians. Go out into the world uncorrupted. A breath of fresh air in this squalid and polluted society. Provide people with a glimpse of good living and of the living God, carry the light-giving message into the night. Boy, it sounds like he read the words of Jesus, didn't he? He probably had at that point. They had them in another form. And that's what he's saying here. That's what we're to be if you're a person of faith. Wow. One more quote from the book I mentioned earlier, Fearless Faith. Instead of engaging our culture in a meaningful way, we, Christians, have often preferred a siege mentality 
retreating into the safety of our Christian subculture. We're more comfortable fighting culture than we are being constructively involved in it. The more we Christians remove ourselves from the world, the worse the world gets in the absence of a Christian influence, and the stronger the argument becomes to stay away from the world. And that's circular reasoning, but it's true. If we were training our children to understand and critically examine the world's popular art, literature, music, and film, instead of limiting them to safe Christian versions of these things, we might have a different world waiting for us in the next generation. Be careful with that. It's not saying that you just go watch any kind of piece of garbage that's on the, on the screen, because there are certainly some things that are inappropriate, obviously. But, but what he's saying is, let's, you know, limiting everything to what's safe, how's that going to really help? So, and that's one of my fears, by the way. I have several, but that's one of my fears as a, as a, as a, as a pastor, really. And that is that people somehow get the idea that being a Christ follower is about the right kind of language, about the right kind of look, the right political party, um, and they put us into some sort of a Christian cookie cutter that we're all supposed to look like. You know, and so many times, and, and this has happened really in the last, probably more in the last 20, 25 years, the, the whole political Christian thing, um, and, and you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's, it's wrong to try to say, well, you know, Christians will be of this particular political party. Gandhi said a great thing. Gandhi said that he who says religion and politics don't mix understands neither. And uh, I think that's probably a very true statement. Uh, hopefully, your politics will be driven by your faith. That doesn't mean you're going to end up in one particular particular political party more than another, okay? doesn't necessarily mean that at all. Hopefully, I will say this, hopefully people of faith will have the same system of values that drive their political beliefs. But, fortunately or unfortunately, depending on your view, you could end up on either side in either party because there are people of faith in both parties. And uh, if you don't believe that, I can certainly point you to some. Remember the first time... I was raised in a, in a strong Republican home. I'm now a registered independent. I was, I was raised in a strong Republican home. And, and when I first went to D.C. after we left um, Vail, and I was working with some, some, some folks there, just doing some studies and stuff, um, prayer groups, one of the first guys I met that just impressed me, actually I met him before I went to D.C., um, was a, a Democratic congressman from Dayton, Ohio, which is where I'm from, uh, Tony Hall. And this guy, I mean, to this day, he's, I, I still know him. He's still one of the, um, he was an appointment of Clinton for an ambassadorship for a while. Um, he's one of the godliest men I know. You know. And so I went back and I told my family, I met this guy who's a Democrat. And, you know, he's a, one, of the, one of the godliest men I've met, ever met, let alone in D.C. And my family was like, he's a Democrat, Rich. I said, yeah, he's a Democrat. Well, how can that be? And I was like, Hey, it's a big world out there, man, you know? And it's just kind of funny, but uh, it's just, it's not a particular political party, folks. Uh, and, and that's the issue here. It, hopefully, your faith will get you to wherever you're going to do, however you're going to vote. I, I, I do hope that, that your faith will drive that uh, and, and values and, and so forth. But be careful when you start saying, well, then it's got to be a, a Democrat or it's got to be a Republican or it's got to be this guy or this person or whatever. Because that, you get into shaky ground when you start doing that. So 
That's one of my fears, is that we think we have to be a certain way, talk a certain way, vote a certain way. That's not what it means to be a follower of Christ. It means we follow Christ. It means that God does, God does a radical internal and continues to do a radically internal work in our hearts and in our lives to turn us into new people, people who have a conscience and an understanding and a love for God and his, a relationship with Him. The church, Christians, are to influence the culture, not create a new one. Two things, real quick. We've got we to gotta stop. But let, me just, let me just say this. Two real quick things, and I want to give you, give you something else. Um, God just doesn't give a whit about Christians creating some sort of a subculture where we all use Christian-y terms and sit around a campfire singing kumbaya, trying to abide to some cookie-cutter, mindless, heartless religion. God doesn't care a whit about that. God does care about us believing in Him. He's, he is all about relentlessly pursuing us as his children who often get lost on the roads of life. That's what he cares about. And we come in all shapes, sizes, colors, views, political persuasions, but there's one common bond. That is Christ who loves me and I seek to live my life to honor him. Three things I want you to think about very quickly, give them to you. Live authentically. Just be who you are. I'm going to talk about hypocrisy next week. Uh, this message was, is, is entitled, it came from a couple of years ago, it's called, Why Are There So Many Hypocrites in the Church? We're going to talk about that. And there are. And we're going to talk about that. Um, but just be who you are. You know, and if you're still searching and trying to figure that out, just be who you are. You have to, you have to be, live to a prescribed way at this point in time. You know, certainly when you... When you become a person of faith, there'll be some issues and, that you're going to deal with and how you want to live your life, and the values and so forth. But live authentic. L- live, live an uncloistered life. Don't try to just get retreat to the, to the safe grounds of just your Christian friends. I hope you have some. But also, you know, be about reaching out, being a light. Not because somebody's lesser than you or somebody's, you know, this... Is this needs a, you need a project and a person, but just to, just to be a light. Live, and this isn't important, and I've already said this in a different way, but live in a way that's influence aware. This is the point, and if you take nothing else out of this, keep this in mind as you walk out of here today, and that is this. There are people in your life, I'm not trying to scare you, but there are people in your life who know there's something different about you. If you're a person of faith, they may or may not know exactly what that is, but they're watching you. Just keep that in mind, how you live. Ask God to give you the the strength you need to live as consistently as you can, knowing you're not perfect. Let me give you my creed. I have a creed. Like the Apostles' Creed, I believe the Apostles' Creed, uh, uh, the Nicene Creed, they're both great, but I have a little creed that I've adopted of my own. It's written by a a, a church father, um, St. Francis. And um, I've lived by this for a lot of years now, and I, I just really, it really means, it really helps me. Preach Christ at all times. Use words when necessary. I mean, that just says it all right there. Just preach Christ. It's how you live. Somebody says, well, I'd still like to have something a little more detailed. Let me give you one verse from the Old Testament, what we call a minor prophet. Let me just close with this because it's just a, 
I just love it. I think it just, it just helps detail things a bit for us. He's made it plain how to live. That's God's made it plain how to live, what to do. God is looking f- what God is looking for in men and women, it's quite simple. Do what is fair and just to your neighbor. Be compassionate and loyal in your love. But don't take yourself too seriously. Take God seriously. The, uh, one of the more literal Bibles says, be humble and submit to God. And this translation, I like, don't take yourself too seriously. Be, be humble. Don't take yourself too seriously. Take God seriously. And I would pray that God would give us the ability to live that kind of a life. And you know, for some of us, we're pe- people of faith. We need to keep this, we need to, we need to keep focused on this. For some of us, you're still thinking through it. You know what? I want you to understand what being a follower of Christ is. It's not all this other hoo-ha. It's following Christ. It's believing He came, lived, suffered, died, rose again for you. And you're trusting in Him. That's what it is. Not a subculture, not a certain language, not a certain thing. It's, it's trusting Him. That's where it starts. And that's where it continues. Let's pray together. Lord God, we are thankful that you have shown us the kind of love that you've shown us. I pray, God, that we would respond in a manner that would be fitting to that. I pray for each person here, wherever they are, for those of us who are people of faith, help us to remember, God, we're to be lights in this culture. We're to influence the culture, not create a new one. For those who are still struggling with their faith or really don't have any faith, I pray, God, that you would help them to understand this is what it means to trust Christ. And that in, in, in response to that, that, that the Holy Spirit, that God, that inner small voice would, would be active in their lives as well. We pray that and we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.